Wednesday. Uh, what is it? January 12th, 2022. Uh, this is Messiah Matters number 372. My name is Caleb Egg. I got nothing to say, but that's going to change, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> drinking from a bigger mug today, but it's still water. I'm Rob Van Hoff. Yeah. Uh, we're having some weird connection issues, but I'm just going to rest on the Lord that that's going to that's going to go away and, and it'll all be fine. It's not a big deal. Um, at least we hope not. Right. All right. Let's uh, let's bring up some producers here as we talk. What's up, everybody? It's been an interesting day. We got some, you know, uh, this morning at seven o'clock this morning, I had no clue what we were going to talk about. And uh, we might actually have a show. If you look, the funny thing is, is if you look at our YouTube description, it says like, uh, we're going to talk about Mark 719 or something like that. And uh, that's all it says. So Mark 719. I don't know. What is it? What's the... 719 is the, and he declared all, all foods clean, clean or something right, like yeah, that yeah. in some translation. Anyway, so yeah, that's what's going on apparently today. What's up everybody in the uh, chat room? We're going to have a fun day today. I can tell already. Should we just jump into some emails? Should we just go? Is that what we should do? How have you been, Rob? How's I'm life? doing well. I, I wanted to share that text. I mentioned it to Caleb. Yeah, go uh, for it. A friend sent me a text last night. Um, I guess the et sefer scriptures millennium edition 2022 is on available like leather it looks like it's like leather binding but i can't tell but uh so yeah so there's an et sefer 2022 edition so if you missed anything from the other edition <laughs> now's your chance uh you know what i replied to him i said this is unexcusable wickedness it is that's unexcusable wickedness. Someone who has passed themselves off to be something they're not, and they are profiting off of other people's ignorance, I, and that is shameful. Those are the. That's the kind of person that. Well, didn't we do all these things in your name? He's like, depart from me. I never knew you. That dude's Workers like, I'm, that dude's like, I'm a lawyer. I know what I'll do. I'll translate the Bible. Yeah, and that, he's not the only one doing this. You know, there's other people out there that are. It's, equally this you know and it and it's uh it's sad man it's really sad because people are being people are being led down the the primrose path i, I also got a note from lou white remember lou white of fossilized customs he yeah. he noted me the other day on youtube giving me a whole hebrew instruct lesson <laughs> <laughs> and i said wow here he is offering me a free hebrew lesson i told him i said I, I said, uh, repent. Oh, I, re I said, repent from your foolishness. I said, yeah. you should feel, I, I said, you should be ashamed of yourself. Yeah, well, he's That's not. That's what I said. I he's mean, not going to be ashamed of himself. I said, if you have such a thing, you know, it, this is, and after, I think it's been like 20 or 30 years that he's been peddling this stuff. Yeah. So it's like, and that spans like my whole growth as like learning the word of God. Like, cause when I first came to the messianic quote unquote, which we might get to that term. Yeah. Fossilized customs. It must've been like, was that the early nineties or something where that went out? And it was like, Oh, you know, this is like, and then, but it's like, I went and actually, well, you know, this something's weird here. Something doesn't smell right. You know? So it's like pursue, uh, learn the Bible languages, learn history, you know, and then he's still peddling the same nonsense. And it's like, <laughs> It's like, dude, ah! 
like he's stuck like, in a time capsule. Yeah. It's like, like did, are you, so I said, I said your, your success and the yes people around you are, are like the foreskin around your heart. What's interesting is that, is that you got people like yourself who are like, man, I really want to study and expand my knowledge. And then you got guys like Lou White who sits down and he's like, I got this idea. I'm going to put it out. I'm going to rest it on, you know, I'm going to rest it on two Babylons. And then I'm never going to study anymore. I'm just going yeah. to stay in an echo chamber and keep producing the same old nonsense. Yeah. It's so that, then one of the things he says, go to the, the Hikal Sefer. He uses, he tries to throw in Hebrew, Hebrew like words, go to the shrine of the book in Jerusalem and look at the great Isaiah scroll where the tetragrammatons written in the ancient paleo. So I, I'm like, no, I sent him a link to the digital high res images. I'm like, you're, you don't know what you're talking about. I said, go do your own research. So th this is another guy who's like profited off of uh, this abuse of the word of God and abuse of the church. It's to be, to be honest with you, man, it is, it's tiring. Am I getting worked up here, Caleb? <laughs> no, I, I mean, it's tiring. Yeah, there's to me. a there is there's a weariness about it, but you know, it's just like it's, don't don't. What does Paul say in Galatians? Don't uh, don't be over wearied. Um, you know. Okay, well, you know what we need then. If if that's <laughs> the case, we need some joy in our lives. Let's hear the jingle. Messiah matters. Wants to hear from you. Leave us a comment, a question or two. Call two five three four six five. Also, shoot us an email, chegatorresource.com, chegatorresource.com. And of course, torresource.com is in fact where you should go for all sorts of great free articles and free resources, but you can also pay for resources <clears throat> as well if you want to go a little bit deeper. And then you can also find all of our past archived shows at messiahmatters.com all the way back to season one. Don't do that. Don't, don't, don't start it. Start it like episode two. Okay. Um, here's, <laughs> yeah, we got an email of like about episode 130 the other day or something. It was like, oh. like, you know what? I, I don't even know. I don't remember much about that. Episode. We got this. Hang on. I got to open up a program here. We got this right before we came on air, but this is from, um, Joseph who we, we talked a, about his email last week. <clears throat> so I think this is his follow-up and, uh, we were talking about, what were we talking about? We were talking about um, like the name, the way versus Christianity. Mm, right. So this is what uh, Joseph says. He says, uh, uh, he said, sorry, I'm reading in the chat room. Okay. Uh, sorry. Joseph writes and he says, so you would agree that Christianity was a sect of second temple Judaisms, sometimes labeled a sect of the Nazarenes and other and at other times called Christian. Yes, I would agree with that. I think that the initial term Christian was seen as a sect uh, a, a sect of Judaism. However, with that said, it's really an interesting um, way that it, it comes about because people are coming <clears throat> from all different sects, including the, the, uh, the Pharisees. We don't have any record of the Sadducees coming, but the Sakari and, and others are now coming to a belief uh, that that Jesus, Yeshua, is in fact the Messiah. Because of this, um, you have uh, you have 
I don't know if people saw it as a sect or not because you have Paul going into various, you know, whether or not they saw it as a sect or not, who knows? I, I, think, I think we can say they did because they called it the way. But Paul's going into various synagogues around, uh, you know, southern Turkey and, and proclaiming Christ and people are coming to, uh, you know, believe in that. So was it seen as a sect? Yeah, I would, I would say I, I think that that's a, a legitimate way to uh, classify the word Christian or the people of the way. What, I mean, do you disagree with that, Rob? Yeah, I remember, Caleb, you might know the title, but we did a one of our Torah resource family camps probably maybe 2016 or 2017, maybe. Um, anyway, one of those years I did a couple sessions on that word hieresis, which is the, the word translated sect. And I did a pretty thorough, thorough scouring of that. We might have that as a video available, um, looking at all this, you know, the resources from like Josephus and Philo, you know, that use of that term. In my argument at the end of that research was that um, there's not enough evidence that they self-identified it as a sect. Sure. Because they believed right from the view of the, of, of the apostles that this, he is the King of Israel. Right. Right. There's no, there's no other interpretation for them. There's no uh, variant, right? This is the, this is the resurrected King, the son of David, son of Abraham, son of God. Um, But if you look in acts, it, it's the, uh, it's the outsiders that are using that label to try to, it's kind of maybe what Joseph's getting at in the email. They're trying to like put them on the map. Like, where do we put you guys as opposed to these different other things that we call sects? Um, but there is no, just to be fair, and this does tie to his email last week, that uh, Christianos does, is an acceptable self term of self-identification for the believer. Right. Um, uh, and, but it seems like the word for sect is, is an outsider labeling it, not a, not one of those terms affirmed by insiders. Um, and then, but again, with the Judaismos, in my view, in the first century, the term we translate as Judaism, Judaismos, is itself a sectarian move within larger, what I call Mosaic covenant communities. Because remember, the Samaritans even were a Mosaic covenant community. They they believed in the covenant. They believed in some sort of mosaic authorship of the Torah. They kept the Sabbath festivals, circumcision, but they just were not Jews. They're like, we, you know, so even though we'll say, well, they were wrong on a bunch of things, um, we wouldn't classify the Samaritans as a Judaism. So, so uh, we have to have a descriptor that, and I think, you know, mosaic covenant communities is as awkward and as, you know, it's a mouthful it actually is a little more accurate. So Tony actually brings up a really good question. And he said in the chat room, he says, would ha- uh, would not have first century believers define the word Christian different than today. So remember that last week I defined the term Christian as anyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah. In the first century, the, the reason that I classify it that way is because I think what's going on, I'll show you some evidence in just a second, and this will actually go back to what Rob was saying. I think that in the first century, what you have is you have the notion of students of a teacher. So 
are you following this uh, this revolutionary? Are you following this teacher? Are you know? Uh, and and we see even like Paul. He's like, I was trained at the feet of Gamaliel. And so this like instead of being like, well, I'm a Christian or I'm a you know I I hold to this sect of Judaism or whatever. Now we do see this in the Pharisees, right? The Pharisees and the Sadducees. But ultimately, Paul identifies himself as a Jew who was trained at the feet right. of Gamaliel. And so it's like, oh, you're a Gamalielian person, you know, like, or, you know, oh, well, you, you believe in Jesus who you call the Christ. So we're going to call you a little, a little Christ, a Christian. Right. And so, um, I, I think that, that yes, it has shifted a bit, but I, what I want to do with the word Christian is I want to make it um, back to like, I, I kind of want to take it back to the broader sense of how, how are people using it to like, how has it, how has it morphed? Now I would say that, uh, the, the way that the Christian should, should be used, even though we, we can't fix this, I don't think, but even, but the way that Christian should be used is how, people who are legitimately trying to live according to exactly the to, index to of a believer is the life of a believer, right? Yeah. Right. And then the words follow. It's the same thing. I mean, look at this. If we have difficulty with one word that changes definition, Judaism is another one. Yeah. There is no word Judaism in the Mishnah or in the Talmud or in the Midrash, right? All the classical rabbinic literature, there is no word Judaism. It's a Greek word, right? Only way after the medieval period, it becomes, oh, we'll, we'll adopt that. Right. Uh, in the early, uh, heresiological did i say that right caleb <laughs> heresiologies you know like um justin martyr sure. and uh you know the second century third century tertullian you know these guys when they use eudaismos it's talking about christians that they think are are Jews are gone astray right they're, yeah. they're, they they use it as a bad word like we're the true and they invent christianisma Christian uh, Christianity, Christianismus, like they create this Christianism term, right? To, uh, which didn't exist in the Bible. So, but if if it's true that words are slippery, think about like the whole Torah, right? Right, like the Torah of Moses. Look how slippery. Like it, you still end up with fragmentation and division. Why? Because once God gives His word into to the hands of men, what did they do to His Son? They crucified him. Right. So they, right. They, and so when when it, God gives something over from heaven, it it's then in the realm of the hands of men. And men, what do we do with our, you know, with the unredeemed heart? We argue, we fight, we fight and devour one another, like Paul says in Galatians. So you know so, so uh, but uh Sylvia in the chat room says Christian is a word used nowadays to describe a faith different from what the disciples were referring to then. Correct. Well, I think that uh, Chris, Christian. Okay. So I don't see if, and correct me if I'm wrong, Rob, I could be wrong about this, but I don't see in the scriptures, the word Christianity. Correct. I see the word Christian. No, right. But I That's don't exactly see the word right. Christianity. And so Christianity has become a broad term for anyone. As I said last week, the way that I see it is the word Christianity has become a broad term for the uh, for the belief that Jesus or Yeshua is the Messiah. That's it. That's so you could, you could label anybody under that Catholics, 
uh, you know, the reforms, you could, you know, Mormons, JWs. Okay. But, but obviously we're going to say, well, those people are in our circle. Those people are not in our circle. So I don't see those people as Christians. I don't see it those would, people. Right. And if I'm, I think you're exactly right. Christianity is not a biblical term. A B for someone to say, yeah, my faith is Christianity. The apostles, this might get to Sylvius, but the apostles say that means nothing. Right. For you to say that your faith is Christianity it's like James would say, that's like, okay, show me, you're going to have to show me something else, buddy. Like right. You, exactly. You know? yeah, that, that's exactly right. And so, but, but when we take the word Christian, it's the notion of following Christ. Then they're going to watch your life. Exactly. And so, and so this ultimately is, is, is still needs to happen today. In other words, when somebody says I'm a Christian, okay, well now, now, now let me see it. Like, are you really following Christ or not? So, so, th- and I, you know, if, can that, I insert a little note here? Sure. There's a great scholar. Uh, I think he might be passed now. Ed, Ed judge judge is his last name, but he, he wrote convincingly to me that uh, in my reading that the Ianos ending for Christianoi should be understood in the same way as the Herodianoi, like the Herodians and the, the August, Dinianoi, Augustinianoi, right? As a Latin ending, Pompeianoi, these were, it means these were political factions. Um, yeah, like, like, but with, with political, like focused political aspirations around a leader. See, like, okay, in other words, yeah. agenda is implied and a, a political and to overthrow almost Rome. militant. Yeah, to, to overthrow militant, Rome. Yeah, exactly. Militant agenda is implied in the, so a Christianoi could be in the Roman eyes, and that's where we see the term for believers being called this, is that they they're on their life is on the line as advocating an agenda that is contrary to Caesar. Right. Like they're like from from the Caesar's perspective, these are these are a threat and these are troublemakers. And we because see- they're advancing political agenda of a, of a leader contrary who claims to have more power than Caesar. And we see, we see this same thing happen even after Constantine, when Augustine writes, what does he write? He writes city of God and his whole argument in city of God, which I'm not into the book yet. So, but I've, I kind of, in, well, it's only, you know, yeah, Caleb. it's only this thick, but, but in the, in the lead up to reading this book, I, you know, I've gotten some, I've gleaned some things from my, my prof. And basically what I think the rundown of the book is, is that, Augustine is saying we are of the king. We are of the city of God. We're we're citizens of the city of God, and not citizens necessarily of Rome. Right. In other words, it's he's juxtaposing Which is the these Jerusalem two. above, right? Yeah, it's exactly. The, it's, yeah. So uh, one of the places I want to go to 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 kind of prove. I really. I, I'm glad you're doing that. I, I really like Augustine. Oh, I mean, I. Dude. I have, I, I have the. To I be, have never read anything of Augustine that I was like, yeah. To be know. completely honest with you, well, there's a couple of things that I disagree with. Uh, obviously, uh, there are things I disagree with in Augustine. In fact, I, I think that he's got the word "begotten" wrong, but which actually is a major point. But I, I, I don't remember that one, so you got me on that. But when in his in his uh, in his treatment of the Holy Spirit and the notion that and. Augustine's belief and his treatment of the Holy Spirit in De Trinitate, when he when he explains the nature of the Holy Spirit, it's something that's hung around in Christianity all the way up and uh, all the way up through uh, until the 20th century. And not only that, but it's something that Jonathan Edwards uh, also wrote on. And uh, that is that the Holy Spirit is, in fact, uh, the love between the Father and the Son. 
which is given to the, which, you know, God is love, which is given to us. So anyway, it's it, really good. Anyway, okay, so let's go back to the conversation about Christianity. So the notion of Christian in the first century is, I, I actually think, Rob, you're right in the sense that it's not necessarily a theological belief necessarily, but almost a political belief. And the reason why is because if we look at like Acts 15, now we could argue whether or not these people were the, the, uh, the, that come down from Jerusalem are the, are, you know, uh, the people that, uh, came down from James or not, uh, you know, we could, we could argue all that, but let's not, let's just look at the, at what's going on. I'm just going to read the first, I don't know, six verses. It says, but some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you were circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Now, instantaneously, by the way, Rob has, has written and spoken on this many times. So I, uh, we're not going to get into the, whether or not these are two groups or, or not, but let's just pretend that they are. Let's take, let's take uh, Rob's view of this, that the people in uh, verse one are different than the people in verse five. So you have one group that comes down and says, you have to be circumcised according to the custom of Moses, otherwise you can't be saved. Okay. And the question is, are these people claiming to be Christians? Are they, quote unquote, are they claiming to be followers of Christ? And the question is, why would Paul and, and Barnabas care at all? If, if, if they have no stock in what's going on. And after Paul and Barnabas ha, had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go to, up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. In other words, it's a big enough deal that they have to go up and talk to what I see as like the lead Christian council, the lead believing council of the time. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through the uh, both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversation of the, uh, of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church. So now we're in the, now we're in, we know that we're in the believing community and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers... Okay, so now, once again, we are in the realm of believers. So even if the people in verse 1 are not believers, these people are. But some believers who belong to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and order them to keep the law of Moses. So if we're talking about theological, like, theolo do we agree theologically? The, the, we have people on opposite ends of the spectrum. It's all over the place theologically here. And so that's my point is that we have. And the Holy Spirit's not on either solution, right? The, the solution that was given up in Antioch, unless right. you are circumcised. And I take that aorist as a, unless you were already circumcised according to the custom of Moses, which means eighth day, then you're not, you're not able to be saved. Like in other words, they were hardline. But, but my and, my simple point is is that under the, the the umbrella of the term Christian in the first century you have a wide swath of beliefs it's not like people were like Christians oh I know exactly what you believe you believe blah 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 no it's like all these people from all these different sects are coming in they have all these different theological beliefs but they're all considered Christian you are a Christian and they're and and they are of necessity having to rethink the the tradition they come with right they have to re they have to go through their baggage right yes. and decide what to leave and like you know i mean that's that's why at the end you know when james gets the you know he says here's my judgment you know and then they write the epistle 
that seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us, right? I mean, the idea, this is, they give this ruling out. Um, and so the, that's, that's official word. That means those other people, if they claim Christ, they got to, they, they need to submit to this, this epistle that's going forth. So let's keep going with Joseph's uh, email here because we've actually only read the first line. I totally, that's okay. No, no, no. This is I good. totally forgot that we were talking about. Going. <laughs> this this is a great this is a great conversation. Regardless of the label, Joseph goes on called a sect of the Nazarenes, self identification as the way or outsiders calling believers in Jesus Christian. Historically, believers in Jesus have embraced the identification as Christian. Therefore, therefore, all believers in Jesus should identify as Christian. I mean. I think that that is a, I think that that is a, uh, it's an, I think it's something to center people's uh, understanding that, yes, I believe in Jesus. Now, I I do not in any way believe that we can just say, I'm a Christian and leave it at that. Right. in, In 2022, no matter where you're at, no matter what you believe, if somebody asks you, are you a Christian? The answer should probably be yes. If you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, but no matter what you believe, you're going to have to clarify. I don't care if you're Methodist, if you're part of the Southern Baptist Convention. I don't care if you claim to be Messianic. I don't. Care. It doesn't matter. You're going to have to clarify more beliefs. Because agen- it no longer is associated <clears throat> clearly with an agenda. Exactly. That's right. Like, like are you pro-life? Uh, you know. You know. Or <laughs> you do, do you believe in the Trinity? Right. Is, is the triune nature of God? Do you? You know, I mean, all these things, and and that's again, these words slippery, and they get hijacked, right? So, so it's an in, it's a fine term. It's a term not to deny if someone asks you, but it's also insufficient, right? To, so to have real traction, uh, he, Joseph goes on. Moreover, to use the term Judaism today would not be accurate, since the term Judaism is associated with unbelief in Yeshua as the Messiah. I tend to agree with that, but let's go on because this needs to be clarified more. He goes on. Messianic Judaism is a misnomer. Despite self-identification as Messianic Jews, a more accurate term is Christian Jew. Okay, so now this is where I'm going to diverge and I'm going to disagree a little bit. And the reason why is because I believe, and this is my personal opinion, I'm not, I'm certainly not speaking for the whole of Messianic Judaism or the whole of Christianity or anything like that. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, but the point is, is that, no, I think that the term Messianic Judaism, give me just a second, is actually a theological belief. I, and I shouldn't say theological. I'm sorry. It's a belief in practice The way is the way that I see it. And the, way I, the reason I say that is because those who hold to what is typically, typically claimed as Messianic Judaism, I think, has turned into a movement of those who predominantly or maybe not predominantly actually I, I we'll talk about belief here in just a second but the the overarching theme of messianic Judaism is I want to live out my faith according to some form of rabbinic Judaism so I want to express my faith in Christ according to modern day Judaism and this is oftentimes manifest in things like uh, a synagogue service talits um, uh, kippas, um, you know, eating maybe uh, food that is uh, rabbinically hectured. Um, <clears throat> there's there's a whole number of different things that you would you would see a Messianic Jew do. 
Um, I would consider my father a Messianic Jew. My father is Jewish by blood. He wears a kippah. He goes to a Messianic Jewish synagogue. He is, you know, he, his expression, he says morning prayers every day. Uh, he davens every day. He, you know, he, his expression of faith is within rabbinic Judaism today. And so I would say that that's how Messianic Judaism should, in my opinion, how I define it. Now, with that said, are there theological uh, beliefs within uh, within Messianic Judaism. I think as a whole, you could look at Messianic Judaism and say, yeah, there are the front runner organizations that have essentially tried to put out some theological beliefs. However, if you dive deep into the Messianic Jewish world, you'll realize that uh, Messianic Judaism in terms of belief is kind of all over the place. There are some who are Calvinists. There are some who are not. There are some who believe that the, t- the Torah should be kept by Jews and Gentiles. There are some, so it's, it's kind of all over the place. Um, so I don't think that the- theology is really where you can, can center the, the belief of Messianic Judaism. The final thing I'll say on that is there are people like Michael Brown, Dr. Michael Brown. I know Dr. Michael Brown. I've talked to him. I saw him at ETS this past November. Michael Brown calls himself a Messianic Jew. Why does he do that? Because he is Jewish by blood and is a Christian. So he calls himself a Messianic Jew. I don't believe that the way that he is using that is not the, the term is not the movement of Messianic Judaism because Michael Brown does not express his faith in rabbinic Judaism in any way, shape, or form. He is a charismatic Christian. And so I would say that although Michael Brown attempts to say, call himself a Messianic Jew, he is misusing this term, and he's not a Messianic Jew. He is a ethnically Jewish person who is a Christian. That's what Michael Brown is. So I don't consider Michael Brown a Messianic Jew, even though he continues to label himself as such. What do you think about all that? I think it, I... I describe it in terms of marketing. It's a marketing strategy. Um, and it's, it, and it's what you have are different brands attempting to shape, you know, they're basically con- in the marketplace. They're uh, competing to define it. One example is uh, one of our friends, Joe sent me a picture and I think your dad might uh, Caleb, I think Tim Hake, I don't know if he wrote a review of this, but it's um, by FFOZ recently, rethinking the five sole, so the five solas, that is the the doctrines of grace, just think, rethinking the doctrines of grace. And then the subtitle, why Messianic Judaism is incompatible with the five foundations of Protestantism. <laughs> so, so do you see what they do there? What FFOZ is doing with that title is they are they're uh, promoting and peddling a definition of Messianic Judaism. And on the surface, they're saying this is incompatible. What we are selling you as the vision of Messianic Judaism is incompatible with the doctrines of grace. And they're putting that right in your face. Um, and so they're subsequently, however, however FFOZ is defining Messianic Judaism, it's going to be different than the doctrines of grace. Um, where on the other hand, you take someone who like, you know, like you're talking about your dad and all his work, it's totally coherent with the doctrines of grace and a, a different um, uh, understanding behind why Messianic Judaism is workable as a, a title. 
Yeah. So, and, um, so, so it, it is a, it is a sloppy, I guess if I were just to give what, what I think about the term messianic Judaism, it's a, it's a sloppy shorthand to try to describe a real complex set of ideas. Right. And actually somebody in the chat room asks, uh, where was that? Uh, I, I can't see it anymore. I'll paraphrase the comment. The question I think was, can non-Jews be Messianic Jews? And this is a really interesting question because you have people like the UMJC and the MJAA and the uh, IAMCS and whatnot who are going to say, and these are the big organizations of quote-unquote Messianic Jews, they're going to say, no, they can't be. You have to say different prayers and all that kind of stuff. But then, actually, if you go into the MJAA Messianic Jewish synagogues, they're predominantly Gentiles. And so, and they're the ones who are expressing, you know, the majority of Messianic Judaism, in my opinion, those who are practicing according to the rabbinic Jewish customs, I would say the majority of those people are, in fact, Gentiles. And so... I don't see the word Messianic Judaism. I don't see that as saying Messianic ethnically Jewish. What I see is Messianic expression of faith, faith Judaism. That's Yeah, it. I understand that. And I think that's what FFOZ wants. Like if my, my estimation is you look at what they're, what they're trying to do, they're trying to present their, their understanding of the gospel to the to practicing rabbinic Jews. Yeah, but they're all Gentiles. No, uh, well, <laughs> maybe so. I don't know who is and who isn't. But um, uh, but the idea is they they are selling a message that that says, let the Orthodox Jew be Orthodox Jew. Let the Christian, no matter whatever, if you're Baptist, Methodist, Anglican, Catholic, whatever, you be a good whatever you are right because they're because they're trying to push that kind of that kinzer idea right of a bilateral except i think they call it radial eschatology or something like that it's just I, in my opinion it's nonsense you know i, I think like um it's just sad it's sad it's another one it's like you mean you, all this time and you had all this resources and this is what you did with it like um Sorry if that sounds harsh. You know, I'm like, I'm just, I'm calling, I'm just going to start calling in spades, spades here. <laughs> well, the, but, but what you're saying is actually interesting because it, what, what uh, FOZ has done is said, essentially, if you're Catholic, stay in the Catholic church. And to me, what they're saying is if you have bad theology, it doesn't matter if you're a Gentile, but you got, but I would say that the, I would say that, you know, 75%. Yeah, but they're not going to, they're not going to correct. They're not going to go in and try to correct orthodox theology yeah i agree because right? they're gonna agree. that's why they have to say we do not promote the doctrines of grace in order for them to advance the their version of the gospel in the circles that they want to advance it they must publish this message they must say what we do is not the doctrines of grace right which is like they have the reward you know i mean like you have your reward well, the interesting thing to me is Denial that denial of the doctrines of grace is, and then advocating what you got it, is that's a scary. You got seventy-five percent of that staff are Gentiles, and th what they're doing is they're saying if you're a Gentile, stay in the church. But then they're all going to Messianic yeah, Jewish yeah, synagogues. Yeah. It's, 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 it's hypocritical. It's incoherent. At, it's an incoherent. Um, <sighs> did they ever just since we're like just mentioning that they were pushing <laughs> this. Um, this book called the Didache. Remember that? Yeah. 
but they wouldn't, they didn't publish who their translator was. No. Cause it's in Greek. Right. But they were selling it. This is like, this is for the Gentiles for like, this isn't a message for us Jews or us uh, G- Gentiles who converted to Judaism. You know, it's not for, uh, it, it's like, I'm not going to lie to you, man. I literally could care less about what FFOZ okay, publishes okay. and we, what. We can and, move on. No, no, I, no, no. Now, let me clarify the statement. I, I really could care less what they p- publish. I don't care, and so I don't go to their website. I don't read their stuff. When people say people actually recently, like three weeks ago, somebody sent me something about about FFOZ, and they were like, "Oh, look at it," and I was like, "They were like, can you believe this?" And I was like, "I, I'm not going to read that. I don't care." And I think that people think I should care because. FFOZ, you know, my dad is was tied to FFOZ back in the early 2000s before they had this huge theological shift. And, you know, since my father well, so and so Ariel Berkowitz, yeah. basically Ariel Berkowitz and Jim Haig were, you know, big voices. Uh, but that's before. Right. But but the point is, is that I think that since people think that, you know, since, since there's that history there, people think that we're still, uh, you know, checking their website and whatnot. I, I literally could care less. I don't understand why in the world I'd ever go to FFOZ's site. They, uh, in my opinion, I would just as soon go to Lou White's. Yeah, or exactly. They, their, their their theology is so backwards that it it hurts. It, it it it's it's not even fun to to peruse their site because it's just so backwards. And and not only that, but they're arrogant about it. And that's that's really what I mean. There's no, you know, they they think that they got it all figured out, but it's just it it, it makes no sense. It's yeah. It, yeah. Okay. Um, I hope that that answered the question. So, uh, yeah. Uh, let's see here. In other words, Christians are Messianic. Uh, Jews are Messianic. To combine the Messianic with Judaism tends to exclude non-Jews and is not an accurate label to begin with. No, I, once again, I think that uh, the term Messianic Judaism does not refer to ethnic Judaism, I think, or ethnic Jews. I think it refers to Judaism as the form of worship which Messianic Jews want to um, adopt. That's how I see that. Okay. Have you ever uh, have you ever had someone who converted to Jews and say you're not supposed to remind you're you're supposed to just call me a Jew now you're not supposed to call me a convert because the Talmud teaches that if you call if you remind them they're a convert that's like shaming them. Have you ever heard that? I think that there are people at F of O Z who believe that. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I've, I've I've had people. Oh, you you're not supposed to remind a convert that they're a convert. Um, and so. Yeah, it's weird. It's like the, it's like a sacred cow kind of thing, and and now and it's an embracing of identity that really doesn't have to do with the gospel. There's there's whole all tons of people, Did you, and even this is funny, just as because the state of Israel has rejected. There was like a, a an African man who's converted three times, and they 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 won't let him make Aliyah because like the first one was questionable. Then he converted like under a conservative. And then he converted maybe twice and did a second, a third conversion. And the, and the Orthodox rabbis in Israel, like, no. And so you have that, you have this issue now, which has changed. It's the standards have not always been upheld the same way. So who can actually move and make Aliyah to Israel? Um, It, it's a mess, man. It's not a unified view. It's not a monolithic religion at all. Miguel in the uh, in the uh, chat room says, "Can you accurately criticize something without reading their idea?" Uh, yeah, and the reason why is because I've read so much of FFOZ, 
so oh, much yeah. ad nauseum. It's, I mean, it's beyond, I, not only have I read it, I have written responses. And you know what I realized is that they don't care. They're yeah. not, they don't care what in the world I say and they don't care what anybody else we says. Have, we have a, uh, we have a, a review I wrote of Tent of David that Boaz yeah. and Michael wrote years, like 10 years ago maybe. Yeah. But I, we have that available if anybody wants it where we've read it and like gone through it. When the Galatians thing came out, when they put out their Galatians thing, I, people started sending me the book. I had like four copies of, of F of OZ's Galatians on my, on my uh, shelf. And when I started reading that, that's when I just thought, actually, so I, I read that and I thought they, these guys have, have gone off the deep end. And then and they're not anchored in language and history. Right. And then, and then when they came out with their prayer book and they had pr different prayers for Gentiles than Jews in their prayer book, that's when I, that's when I turned off the, that's when I said, nope, I'm done. So yeah, Miguel's right. I'm not going to criticize what uh, they have, what they have put out recently that I haven't read. I'm not, I'm not looking at what they, you know, the only thing that I can say is that my father did pick up the, uh, the, you know, the five solas book that uh, Frank or whatever his name is just came out with. And I have to say that thing is, it's a disgrace to scholarship. It is. It's. I mean, we sat down and we started reading passages out of it. It is absolutely abhorrent what, how they have butchered history and, and just. I mean, it's. It shows that they don't care. It shows that they just think uh, what we're going to do is we're going to just put stuff out, and people will buy it. They're really good at marketing. Yeah. Like seriously, they know how to make a good looking book. They know how to make a quality like, like a feel. You know, a book that you feel on the pages. And that's inviting visually, but in terms of, but to me, my opinion, that's where it ends. Yeah. Yeah. Con content is what matters to me. Not, not, uh, when, when I saw, when I saw their, their book on the five solas, I thought that they don't, they, they don't either. They don't care, which I don't think, I actually think that the people at FFOZ really do. They think that what they're doing is this great service. But I think that they, that they either don't have enough training, which I, I don't want to, I mean, I think that, I think that people with level heads can look at something and say, hmm, maybe we should have this reviewed. But the, but the, the point is, is that, uh, I, I think that what they're doing is they're, they're saying, oh yeah, we'll just publish this because it's provocative. But the problem is, is that there's no other pub publishing company that would look at that and say, yeah, this is really well thought out. This is a good argument. It's it's not a good argument. It's it it's not honest with the sources, and that's really that's really what uh, what bothers me. So uh, to to uh, to respond to Miguel, yeah, I have read a ton of FFOZ. I have thinned it way out. I don't go to their website anymore. The last book that we looked at, which was the Five Solas book, was. Uh, in my opinion, should not have been published by any publishing company. It should it shouldn't have been written. It should be because there was not any uh, good thought process that goes into it. Messianic Judaism is a denomination of Christianity? Question mark. I would no no. I don't think that you can say that Messianic Judaism is a denomination because it doesn't have a statement of faith and it doesn't have a um, it doesn't have a catechism. It doesn't have a central tenet of beliefs. What Messianic yeah, Judaism no is, core, yeah, exactly. Messianic Judaism is a 
uh, a expression, in my opinion, in my personal opinion, is an expression of the way that a person wants to uh, worship God. And that is in a somewhat rabbinical uh, practice setting. Not a denomination, though. It might be argued that uh, people like the UMJC or the MJAA would be a denomination. Where they have, yeah, a statement of faith. You have, you have membership, you know, communities that abide by some sort of contractual membership agreement. Um, but wow. the, but it's funny because the it's funny because the the people that I've met with in the MJAA, they they'll they'll say, well, I agree. You know, we wanted to be part because we we wanted to be part of the wider body of of you know Messianic Judaism, but we don't agree with them on. You know, so so it's like there's not a, a full consensus on on what people believe within that group. I think that that's kind of the point. Okay, um, let's move on. But to... some of those groups, they have like they've published against like your dad's publications. You know, um, remember. So- so the IAMCS, which is the blanket organization that looks over not only the MJAA but also the uh, the UMJC, I think that's the way that these two groups are connected is through the IAMCS. The steering committee, the IAMCS, wrote a hit piece on my father saying that he preaches a different gospel than the gospel of Paul, and my father wrote a uh, a response to that. To this day, the IAMCS has not retracted their their article. It's still on their website. And I've talked to people who were on that steering committee, and I talked to the guy who was the main author of that. And um, to be honest with you, he was shocked that my father was Jewish. And as soon as, soon as he figured that out, I think that there was, he was like, oh, you guys should become part of the MJAA. That's what he said to me. You guys should become part of the MJAA because you're Jewish. It's like, And what about that? publication you just that's what i said i said i said you got you guys need to retract that and they they still never would so well they accused your dad if i remember right of preaching a works-based righteousness right and that the uh the gentiles are not to be keeping the torah uh in their view i I think that was right some of the main issue yeah. because they they do not want Torah as obligatory. As a matter of fact, not even on Jews that it's like a cultural, it's kind of a cultural yeah. expression for Jews. Yeah, they, they, I mean, honestly, to in all fairness, they're taking a reformed Jewish perspective of the Torah that it's that that Judaism is a cultural. Uh, aspect and that cultural aspect should be upheld by those who are ethnically Jewish to maintain culture, but not to maintain relationship with God. And Re- reform Jewish, yeah, exactly, like in the modern era. And and I would and I would say that uh, that in this respect, the IAMCS, the MJAA, and the M- and the and the UMJC all have one thing right that the Torah is not kept to maintain a right relationship with God. It's that's not going to your works are not going to keep you good with God. Faith in 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 Christ makes you right with God and it and the outflowing of of sanctification stems from that. Right. So if you think that you're going to be able to all of a sudden uh, become a a, uh, you know, you're going to maintain God's favor by doing the right thing. I'm sorry. I, I think that that's wrong. 
Right? Uh, so the, Torah resources. God, God cares about fruits of life that lives by faith. That's what pleases God. Joseph then writes, so Torah resource is not organizing a den denomination. No. No. Uh, we've never, that's never been on the radar for us. Or just promoting Torah observance as a tenant of Christianity. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, what Torah resource has always done. Now, granted, Torah resource, let's, be, let's just be honest for a second. Torah resource is built around my father and my father's, uh, his prolific work as a writer and a lecturer. Um, he has done great things for theology in terms of those who believe that the law of Moses should be kept today. And I would say that my father is a Messianic Jew. There's, and so he expresses his faith in that way. In terms of the theology of Torah resource, we have always said that covenant membership is what matters. Are you a covenant member? And once you become a covenant member through faith, not through works, once you become a covenant member, then uh, out of love and out of faith to the God that we have given our lives to, we are now, we now keep the covenant. And so the, you know, I just, I was just thinking of that parable of the, of uh, the, is it the rich man and Lazarus <clears throat> where, where Lazarus goes to the, dies and goes to the bosom of Abraham. And then, and then the rich man is in, in torment and he's like, Oh, father Abraham send you know, tell my brothers <clears throat> and the, <clears throat> pardon me guys, but the punchline is if they didn't believe Moses and the prophets, they're not going to believe if someone rose from the dead. Right. So the idea is like, coherent theology for the Christian, for the true Christian, is Torah, prophets, apostles, right? The confession of Yeshua with the with the confession of all these things. And that's, I, I've benefited so much from, from Tim Haig's and Ariel Berkowitz's work on that. I mean, it's been, it's like major shaper for the last 20 plus years of my life and helped me, helped me get through that the nonsense. I mean, there's just so much nonsense out there. Um, so I have my own story of, of gratitude to God for um, connecting with this, this well, this robust body of scholarship. And then we see the things like we see Brant Petrie, Dr. Brant Petrie, who's a Catholic publishing on um, how in fact we do need to read the synoptics and John with the same chronology and, um, and it's like he's getting published, he's getting interviews and all articles and all this stuff, all these accolades academically. And and if in all honesty, if all the books are open, Tim Haig made these arguments years know, ago, a decade yeah. or two, two decades prior, and didn't get all the fanfare. And that's okay. Tim doesn't care. Tim's not. Tim's like, hey, good. This yeah. the idea, the good idea is getting out there. The truth is there, right? Yeah. And to, to um, me, to me, what's really interesting is, is some, you know, somebody's, I forget what the question was, or just promoting Torah observance as a tenant of Christianity. I think it's interesting that this is the, the conversation that's going on. In other words, in the first century, if you said, do you, does a covenant member have to keep the whole covenant? They'd be like, people would look at you and be like, <laughs> it'd be like, what are you talking about? You're a covenant member of course, like the covenant is for you. And so the notion, and this is one of the reasons that it's almost tiring to me. I've been, I, I grew up in this culture of we keep the covenant because we're covenant members. That's what we do. Now, granted, I grew up in a Messianic Jewish synagogue. So um, I've, I've shifted out of that in practice, but 
ultimately the notion that I wouldn't keep the covenant, like certain parts of the covenant are just absolutely foreign to me. Why would you not want to keep parts of the covenant? That's like, it's like denying, it's like a kid at Christmas. It's affirming you're not a member. Yeah, it's 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 like a kid at Christmas getting the biggest present and saying, mm, no, I don't want that one. Like, what? no, I, I'm not going to have, the, I'll take the other presents, but I'm not going to have that one. No, the, the the covenant is a gift to 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 us from the creator. It is our inheritance. It's what we get. And so to say something like, oh, I don't have to keep the Sabbath anymore. Or, I don't have to keep the festivals or I don't have to keep a kosher diet. Those like, questions come from a works righteousness logic because it's like, what do I have to do? Right. It is really not. And they're just they just have this question. What do I have to do? Not that. Not that, not that, that, you know what I mean? They're just looking for what they have to do. And then they're any idea before them, they're just going to dismiss or not. Right. Either way, that's works righteousness logic. And that's, I don't that's, have that's to. Great. Like it, it, it's just so backwards to me that the fact is, is that we are, we are given the, the covenant as a inheritance. It is our inheritance as believers, as covenant members. It's what we should love the most. And to, to all of a sudden be like, well, I don't know if I really have to keep that. It's like, are you saying that the covenant is a burden? Because John certainly said, he specifically says, and the law is not a burden. So, I mean, so these conversations, this is kind of, I mean, and I, I know people have felt this on this show. Like the conversations for me about like whether or not the Torah should be kept or not, it's just they've become a little bit like we were, we were debating that in the nineties. Now I know that those debates are still going on and I don't mainstream Christianity as a whole has rejected certain parts of the Torah. I get that the, the, the Sabbath and the festivals and the kosher laws. Okay, fine. But the point is, is like, okay, well that's what they believe. And if they want to believe that that's fine. There are people coming in droves in the, in the church to understand that they should be keeping the, the Sabbath. And so the church is starting to wake up and recognize like, oh, no, this is actually like they haven't declared it a reformation yet. But I think that the church is reforming. And so when when you have all these people who are saying, oh, yeah, we should keep all of the covenant because it's an inheritance to us. And then they're saying, oh, but we're not the church. Like to me, I'm, I'm starting to see this as a problem. Because now the church is saying, "Oh, look at these people; they're heretics. They they are not even they don't even they don't even consider themselves part of the church. So why do we care about them?" It's like, no, 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 no. We're covenant members. We're all covenant members. Let's all be covenant members. Um. So uh, somebody has asked in the chat room, "Are we reformed?" Yes, all of Torah Resource. Every person who works at Torah Resource is reformed in their theology. We all believe in the doctrines of grace. Um, every teacher at Torah Resource Institute believes in the doctrines of grace. <clears throat> we, uh, I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily a Calvinist, but because I disagree with Calvin, but ultimately I believe in the doctrines of grace. That's the, uh, and so does every teacher at Torah Resource, and so does every staff member. Ah, ten twenty six in the AM for me. Uh, I think we're pretty much at the end of it. We uh, took one email that we got about two minutes before we came on air and it took up the whole time, but I think it was a great conversation. So that's all that really matters. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Brandon boo. Uh, so yeah, I think he's talking about our belief in the doctrines of grace. All right. Hey guys, it's oh, been really? fun. Oh, it's been interesting. Re- yeah. Brand- oh, Brandon is 
Yeah, he's he's very much not uh, <laughs> doctrines of grace, which yeah. is funny. Anyway, okay. Um, 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. That's how you can leave us a message. Uh, you can also shoot us an email, chag uh, at torresource.com. chag at torresource.com. And uh, yeah, I think um, we will be back next week for sure. And I think we have one more week after that. And then I'm on vacation. And when I'm on vacation, I think I'm just going to shut all electronics down. I'm not going to, I'm not doing anything. I'm not going to be around. So you will miss me for at least one week, maybe two, depending. Um, I'm not sure. But uh, we'll see. Uh, thanks, everybody, in the chat room for being a part of our conversation. We do really appreciate it. We hope that this conversation has done at least one thing, and that is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. You know why? Because Messiah matters. <laughs>